informative podcast all about training working dogs look no further than the lwdg pod dog this weekly show is hosted by me joanne parrot founder of the ladies working dog group and i chat to experienced trainers and experts in the field who will give you helpful tips and advice whether you're just getting started or you've been working dogs for years this podcast will have something for you so pull up a chair pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to lwdg pod dog and let us help you build a better bond with your best friend. Hello and welcome to LWDG Poddog. I hope you're all having a fantastic week. This week, our podcast is all about the perfection monster within us and overcoming the pressure of training gun dogs. Joining me for today's podcast is our LWDG mindset coach, Emma Liddell. How are you, Emma? I'm really good. I'm, it's, it's quite exciting that we're streaming this live as well as recording it as a podcast because I've never done this before so it's interesting that we're talking about perfectionism and I'm doing this for the first time so it's great. <laughs> we are absolutely going into new territory with this because normally the podcasts are not a live thing and um, it's going out live at the moment the date is the 2nd of March into our group called Let's Get Your Gun Dogs Going and that's fab and this is nice for them to see and they're going to see us getting it right and getting it wrong and hopefully they'll enjoy the topic that we're talking about. So the idea of the topic came around because uh, Emma and I were chatting about, I can't swear on this because we tried to keep this a clean podcast. So instead of saying the naughty F word, we're going to call our perfection monster that we're talking about tonight, duckwit. Um, so duckwit is like literally this sort of perfection monster that's within all of us. But before we talk about duckwit, the perfection monster, we want to talk about what are the 10 points of perfectionism that you think um, we're all going to recognize in ourselves? Okay, so this is a great one for me. So I am a self-confessed perfectionist and there will be people listening now and on the podcast that will be waving their hands up going, pick me, pick me. Um, and there's 10 things that I think if people who are sitting here listening, whether you're out walking your dog or driving somewhere or you're just listening live on Facebook now, again, just think, count them up in your head. I'm not going to ask you for the result. It's not a test. But the first one is all or nothing thinking. So if I've not succeeded at something, I am a failure and there's no middle ground at all. Um, kind of consistently believing we have thoughts that we're not good enough. Um, so I'm not working hard enough. I'm not achieving enough. I'm not clever enough. I'm not successful enough. I'm not pretty enough, whatever that might be. Um, spending excessive time on personal growth. Um, so whether that is doing huge amounts of, of mindset stuff, hi over here. Um, you know, whether it's thinking about constantly, how can I improve myself? How can I be a better person? And I, and I really want to stress the word excessive. Um, it's not about, you know, wanting to be a better person, but it's when actually that might eat into kind of some of the other parts of your life. Um, struggling to relax or switch off. Um, so struggling to just let your mind settle and watch TV or something without suddenly thinking, oh God, the dusting needs doing, or why have I not done this? Or those kind of negative thoughts creeping into our head. Um, taking ages to finish things. So constantly checking stuff before it goes out. So that might be at work rereading emails 15 16 17 times to make sure the wording is absolutely perfect um or vice versa procrastinating so not doing anything because i'm scared that if i do something i'm going to fail at it so if i if i do send that email someone's going to criticize me or i want to get that bit of project work done but actually if i do that someone's going to laugh at me 
um, comparison to others, and I know we'll probably do a whole other podcast or thing about that. That's a whole kind of new topic. But that idea of going, I'm not good enough compared to so-and-so, that's really prevalent in dog training, I see. Um, then thinking our self-worth is based on our achievements and performance, so a measurable thing rather than happiness. Um, so again, it's about either being a certain weight or achieving a certain thing or earning a certain amount of money. It's generally to do with numbers, oddly, um, rather than just going, but am I happy? Am I enjoying it? Is that something I want to do rather than going, well, I need to be this goal weight or I need to drink this amount of water per day or whatever that might be. Um, one of the last two, I would say, one is is treating your friends in a different way to the way you treat yourself. So we're often a lot kinder to our friends than we would be ourselves. So we feel like we have a different rule. So it's like, oh, it's okay that they're struggling, but I can't. Or it's okay that that person is struggling with their dog and they're doing the best they can. But when it comes to me, that's not negotiable. I have to be perfect at this. Um, and really the last one is the self-criticism. Like, how do I actually talk to myself? Um, so if you were saying whatever your the thoughts are in your head out loud, if you said that to your friend, would your friend be OK with that or would that be a problem in your friendship? And if the answer is they'd probably look at you and go, wow, you're being really mean. Then again, that's a sign of perfectionism. So those would be the 10 key signs. And and I think the majority of us, if we're very honest, will resonate with at least a few. Yeah, if not all. Like <laughs> our friendship is literally based around we are both like slightly maybe excessive around the personal development and we love yeah. it and, and we read and we discuss it at length and stuff like that but we also have that perfectionism creeping into our both of our dog training and the pressure of training gun dogs to be perfect it really affects us as trainers doesn't it yeah i agree it's um it's a really difficult thing um, and I think comparison comes into that. If we think about even our group, we've got people there that have literally picked up their first ever dog, let alone it being a working dog. And then we'll have other people that will have had, you know, dogs for years, grown up with working dogs, have been around people that have trained dogs, are trainers themselves. And so that it can be so hard because perfectionism is about expecting to do something right pretty much first go for a lot of us. And there are three different types of perfectionism, which I'll go into in a little bit. And it's important to know kind of where we are with that. Um, but yeah, it absolutely translates into how we deal with our dogs on a day to day basis and our expectations and of ourselves and them when we're out working them. So we've got duck with the the perfection monster in all of us. I got really careful how I say that because if I put <laughs> in the front of that one, we're done for. Um, but the perfection monster, we we've talked a little bit about where it manifests in dog training, but why is it important for us to recognise when you know, the perfection monster sort of taking over? So not about us doing a good job, but us being like ridiculously critical of ourselves. Yeah, it can be really detrimental to us. Um, and there's loads of research out there, which, which really shows that if we suffer from perfectionism, which is not a clinical condition, it's a trait that we have, um, it can lead to low self-worth, which can affect every area of our life and certainly might prevent us from going out and trying new things. It can lead to anxiety. It can lead to feelings of burnout and overwhelm. And it can lead to overall lower life satisfaction levels and social anxiety. And if you think about what we do when we train our dogs so we often go out and try new things 
we often might go and meet new groups of people. We might meet new trainers. Um, it's, we talk about consistency when we train our dogs, um, all of those things. And if you think about that kind of low self-worth, social anxiety, a lower life satisfaction, that's bound to impact on how we work with our dogs on a day-to-day basis. So it's a really exhausting thing. And it's important to understand that there's, there's different spectrums on it. You know, perfectionism can be a highly motivational trait and you find people that are often very successful have perfectionism traits, but they keep them in a way that's healthy for them. So it's not about don't be a perfectionist. It's about managing it to make sure it doesn't tip over into, into that kind of unhealthy category where you might actually really start struggling. So chat to us a bit about those, like sort of you said, there's three different types of it. What was a healthy perfect way you wanted to be perfect and what's an unhealthy way you wanted to be perfect? So there's three types of perfectionism that we have. One which is self-orientated. So one is the belief that I have to be perfect all of the time. Um, then the second one is a really a much more complex one, but I find this absolutely fascinating in, in, in the area that I work in, which is socially prescribed perfectionism. So that is where we feel we have a social pressure on us to be perfect or to gain approval from other people or that if we are not successful, others will judge us. So that's not my pressure that I place on myself. That feels like society's pressure and how I view that. And then the last one, which maybe isn't so relevant for today, is perfectionism, which is other orientated perfectionism. But it is quite related to our dogs. So that's when I expect other people and I evaluate them around me and expect them to meet a certain standard. Um, and so often we have that with our dogs of, you know, I've taught you this. You know how to do this. So you should be able to do it perfectly every time. And if you don't, I don't understand why. And that might be because I'm expecting the dog to be perfect or because I'm expecting myself to be perfect. I can identify, I'm sure other people can as well, with, with pretty much all three of those. Um, it's not so much the social one, but I can see in the way social media can be our best friend. It can join people together. Our community lives and loves it. Um, but there is outside of our community that external pressure, I think, within dog training of look how good my six month old retriever is winning a field trial. Ch- I'm making this up now. Yeah, of course. <laughs> winning this field trial champion and jumping over a skipping rope while it's doing it and you're just like oh my god I look at my dogs and I'm like you guys are crap compared to that and I and there's a load of pressure that it's not it's not real it's the it's how we are interpreting what we're watching isn't it yeah and I think the media impact is is a really good thing to kind of use as an example so if we think about Facebook and Instagram um we choose what we put on Facebook and Instagram. They don't wander around filming me all day, every day, um, thankfully. Um, so what I, I can control that. So it's what I choose to put on there. And for a lot of people, it's a highlight reel. It's absolutely a highlight reel of, of our life. You know, there are some people there that are very open and it's really good. And I absolutely respect trainers that put together unedited videos. So there are There are things that do not go to plan halfway through because it shows the reality of the work that we do. But it is a highlight reel of our lives. And what I think is also really important for us to think about is it's not only, if we think about when we scroll through Facebook or Instagram, we're not looking at one person's life. We're not looking at one person's page. We're looking at everybody. So let's say, for example, I follow, I don't know, 23 dog trainers on Instagram. 
So when I'm scrolling through that, I'm seeing 23 people that are putting together a highlight reel of probably the best bits that they do. So the information that I'm being given or my perception of it will be 23 people are fantastic at dog training. And I took my dog out this morning and he was utterly useless. He ran around the field parading a dummy and I didn't know what to do. So again, that perfectionism trait will translate over to that around, well, they're all really good and I'm not. Um, rather than seeing if you interviewed those 23 people and filmed them all day, every day, you'd get a much more balanced view of really what was going on in their lives and, and the levels of training that they've got. And also it depends who we follow. You know, a lot of us follow aspirational people. Um, so people that have been dog training for 15, 20 years plus, and that is their job. That is what they do all day, every day. And then somebody like me, who is not my job, I have no idea what I'm doing apart from, you know, the books that I read and the courses that I do. And, you know, with the best will in the world, I'm learning as much as I can. But I'm expecting myself to, to be like that. And that's just impossible. And I'm setting myself up to fail. And I'm probably going to be quite hard on myself as I go down that route. When um, a couple of years ago, the Gun Dog Journal came to me and said, what would you like to do an article for us each edition? And I said, yeah. And can I do it on, um, some of you might have seen it, my most difficult moment. And I've done it every single edition since. And, I, and the editor said, why that? And I said, because I'm fed up picking up the magazine and everything being perfect. I just like to hear about someone's deck with monster. And like literally every single edition, I, I talk to some of the, the best in the UK, best abroad, and they tell me about a dog where they were literally pulling their hair out. And like you just said, you see Instagram, this perfection, you read that or you have that conversation, you're like, oh, they, they have exactly the same problems as I do. They're just further into their journey. They've just learned the lessons from these most difficult moments and they've put it together. But do you think with media giving us all these, like these 23 people, like you said, doing perfectly, that then feeds into the other two types where you're going, I'm not good enough, and dog, you ain't good enough. Yeah, yeah, that's, I think that's key. And I think we need to look almost underneath it. And so what happens when we think about perfectionism, the reason we have this need to be perfect is fundamentally coming from a place of fear. Um, and if you think about, if you kind of bring that right back to do a little bit of psychology on it, is when we are afraid of something, it's because we don't feel safe and we feel that we're going to be rejected and we feel like we're going to be cast out. And if we go back to our brains are still really, really primitive and a huge part of ourselves is about keeping us alive. And if you think about our tribes, so if you think about the LWDG as a tribe of people with similar things, which I think is a great way of describing us, the fear of being rejected from our tribe is very real because from a fundamental survival basis, if when I was younger, I was rejected from my tribe, I would die because I wouldn't be able to get food, warmth or shelter. Now, although we know logically that's not going to happen, you know, if something, you know, if I, if, if I do something and it doesn't go to plan and I feel rejected, I'm not, I'm unlikely to die. Those same fear feelings still come up and I bring that into into my daily life so that that fear of rejection is so so critical and that's what holds us back from doing things if i get rejected i'm i'm not going to try that because what if i get it wrong what if people laugh at me what if i'm rejected what if i bring up that problem and everyone goes well you should know how to do that by now 
So it, that's, that's where that perfectionism, perfectionism comes in, because if I'm perfect, that will never happen. But we also know that perfection is completely unattainable. It's completely unattainable. It's unrealistic. It's unattainable. There is no one out there. You know, even Mary Poppins, she's practically, practically perfect in every way. No one is perfect. I love Mary Poppins. She rocks. But I, I love the idea and concept of us as a tribe. And I think what makes our tribe so strong is the fact that the only time you would ever get rejected from our tribe is if you were mean. That is our, like, it's probably our founding stone in the middle that says, don't be a, I won't use another swear word, be kind or scroll on or get out. They are like literally our rules, aren't they? But do you think that even though people hopefully in our group know that, that it is that, like you said, that inner feeling of you still don't want to mess up in front of our, of our tribe, even though you know our tribe won't ever judge you on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's such an inherent part of who we are as people and that can also come from our background and our upbringing um because we were often measured by pass or fail and whether that was through going to school and achieving a certain grade whether that was whether we went to university whether that was what job we did whether that was how much money we earn whether it's our relationships with our partners it's still there is a standard of expectation that we want people to meet and if you are afraid of not meeting that standard, you are going to hold yourself back. And that's some, sometimes the hardest thing. And for me, is, is pretty much one of the reasons that I love doing the work that I do with you guys. Because if it means that one woman is going to go and contact that trainer, is going to try that new thing, is going to book that course, is going to go and have a positive experience... It makes it all worthwhile because the more we do it, and I know we've spoken about laying down these strands before, the more we do it and we realise I'm not going to get rejected by my tribe, I am going to be supported. And actually, probably the reality is I'm going to have 100 women behind me going, I feel you and I've been there and I might not be there today, but I might be there tomorrow or next week or I definitely was there six weeks ago. That's what binds us together. That's what binds us together. That's what gives us that strength of, of being able to go, actually, I feel safe to do this and I don't have to be perfect. You know, I like to share like the experience of it and, and, and many of you will know who know me well and some of you might know, like la in last August, they found my brain tumor had gone back. And like literally since August, I have literally been the worst gun drug trainer in the world. And I can put my hand up to that but what I love is even though we are a group about gun dog training, there's not been one person in this group. When I've said, my dog might as well be a pet spaniel because it's, it isn't seeing a dummy. Like what we've been at once, I think, that I managed in, since August, as in physically training for hours. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I, it's just getting myself out there. But not one person in this group has gone, well, really, you should be the one out gun dog training. You know, this is your group. But do you think knowing that, the people around you have got your back regardless, just takes that pressure off. Do you know the, this sort of perfection monster that may take over? It gives you the chance if you know people have got your back to, to not let it take over. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. And, and, and the idea of you're not alone is so, so key when we feel vulnerable, um, when we feel like we're not getting things right. And, you know, Joe, there is nothing wrong with what you're doing with your dogs. They are loved, they are happy, they are healthy. You are not literally the world's worst gun dog trainer. You're a human, as we all are. 
and it's and I guess often when I work with clients it's quite an interesting dynamic because they expect me as a therapist to be perfect I have the answer to everything my life is always and that's completely untrue as well and and often and I'm quite happy to share this story is we have this belief that we look at other people or we look at people that are older than us or who have more experience and we think that they've got it sorted so I remember acutely when I was like 14 years old looking at 16 year olds and going when I get to that age I'll know what I'm doing like I'll, I'll have it sorted and then I got to 16 and realized I had no idea what was going on in life and I was just winging it but then I thought when I get to 18 I'm an adult and adults are grown up and mature and they know what they're doing so I got to 18 none the wiser still no no clue and then I thought you know what university when I go to university because then I'm living away from home and I'm going to be an independent and I'll come out as a mature grown-up well anyone that knows me knows that that didn't happen either so 21 I was like yeah but then I'm then I'm getting into real life I'm out of education now so I get to be a proper grown-up and I laugh I laugh a lot about being a proper grown-up um and again I got to 21 and I, I have no idea what I'm doing at all and I've been like that ever since. And, and it's about giving up that idea that at some point I will know what I'm doing. There will be dog trainers listening to this that will still go, I don't know everything. And thank God they do that because then they, it means that they will be inquisitive and they will learn new things. None of us know what we're doing. We're just doing the best we can with what we've got. And one of the things that, and I'm quite happy, and I'm going to share this with God, God knows how many people who listen to this podcast. And I say this to my clients as well. And they say, well, you're a professional therapist and you know, you've got it all set up. And I say, yeah, I do, but I'm still a human. And sometimes when I'm tired and I'm overwhelmed and I don't have time to get something done, I will microwave a meal and I'll finish really late at work. And do you know what? I'll eat it in the bath. Like, happy to share that. And does that make me professional? Make up your own mind. It makes me a human. It means that I don't get it right. You know, everyone thinks that everyone else, they, they get changed into these clothes and they cook this organic meal from scratch and and then I don't know, I sit there and meditate before I go to sleep or whatever. I might be running out the door with no makeup on trying to get my dogs out for a quick walk. I might be eating microwave mashed potato in the bath. You know, I'm a human. I'm doing the best I can with what I've got and I'm not perfect. And that's great because actually when we're not perfect, that's what makes us relatable. When we're perfect, oh, that's all a bit scary. If you've ever been around somebody and they feel like they've got it all together, it's really hard to bond with that person. It's really hard to build up a rapport. Whereas when you've got somebody and you realise that they're just a human and they're just as confused as we are, I can open up to that person. I can share with that person and go, you'll never guess what my dog did the other day. And the other person won't judge me because they're not perfect either. Um, I'm, I'm going to have that image for life. And that's all I thought of, as you said, it was, it must be easier to do the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely it's really effective i get to have a quick wash i don't have to do the dishes <laughs> oh i love it but but that is an important thing and you know we're laughing and joking now and and I, I i love our chat and i think that being able you've got to be able to laugh with with dog training haven't you because if you are trying to be too perfect like you said at the beginning it's going to lead to frustration and burnout mm. but it's you know i would put my hand up there are times where I've been training where I've been so overwhelmed with other stuff in my life and so tired that the dog does one thing wrong and I'm like, oh my God, I absolutely hate you right now. And I don't hate the dog in anything, you know. My dog's in my life. I, I leave later to go with my mum on holiday and 
I've, I've gone through how to look after my dogs with my husband who can perfectly look after my dogs multiple times this morning just to make sure he knows how to look after the dogs. And, you know, we, we love them to death. But when we are trying to get it so right and we're not bringing some, some type of humour into it, some type of um, chill out fun into it, we're going to drive ourselves mad, aren't we? Yeah, we absolutely are. And I've had the same thing and I, I would... I would suggest if we ever did a poll about how many of us have cried at some point through a training or at the end of a training session, I would expect it to be well up in the 80s. And I am one of those people where you just go, this is just not going right. And, and that largely is about our expectations. It's not about the dog. It's about our expectations. So when I turn up to a training session, I have a plan in my brain and my expectation is my dog is going to do that plan if i let go of that expectation not let go of the plan the plan is really key otherwise we don't move forward but if i let go of the expectation i'm probably not going to be disappointed and i'm going to be much kinder to myself and the dog but we have all all been there where we've sat there and we've just looked at the dog and gone what are you doing like why at what point do you think that is a good idea and the dog's looking at us probably with their tongue hanging out with a ridiculously goofy expression on their face thinking i'm just really glad that i'm out with you and we forget that we forget that because my expectation is my dog's going to do x y and z rather than i'm going to spend some really quality time with a little creature that i absolutely adore and it would be great if it went to plan it would be great if they did what i'm asking them to do but actually, I'm never going to get these moments back with my dog. I'm never going to get them back. So actually, it's really important that I get every bit of enjoyment and let go of the expectations as best I can. Where, oh, how? how it's a how question. How do I recognise whether my perfectionism is healthy or it is unhealthy? I think it's about being really honest with yourself, about at the end of the day going... I know I have this trait and at the end of the day, do I feel better or worse? And if the answer is I feel worse, it's probably starting to become problematic for you. If the answer is, do you know what? I've, I've been really motivated today and I've done all these great things and I feel really positive about it. And I feel like my life is moving forward in a direction that I want it to, then it's probably quite healthy. Um, it's, it's that idea of if I feel like, I am punishing myself for not meeting a standard. No one wants to feel like that. No one wants to feel like that. And we wouldn't say that to our friends. I wouldn't come to you and you said, do you know what, Emma? You know, Buddy did, did this or Ella did that. And I was and I would go back to you and go, well, that's just not good enough, is it, Joe? Like, that's not. I wouldn't dream of saying that to you because why would that even be helpful? However, if I'm not careful, I'll probably quite happily say it to myself. You make a really incredibly valid point there. And it's like, we've talked about it maybe, um, me and you talked about it loads, and I think we've talked to it in podcasts. You know, we do, both of us journal. And like, yeah. literally, sometimes when I sit to the night, and journaling doesn't have to be anything overly amazing, ladies. It can literally, it's just a notebook. And it's just like, what did I do well? You know, what can I learn? And it's all, it's not positive-based, but it's, it's non-judgmental thought. And I literally sometimes think, Oh my god! I've got to think of three things that I that I smiled about today. I tried to think of it. I think sometimes I'm like, "What did I smile about?" And I think, "Joe, it's three things you've got to remember that you've smiled about. You must have smiled three times today." But we so hold on to everything we did wrong, 
and we we don't even give the acknowledgement to the things that go right not even enough acknowledgement that i can remember it at the end of the same day how can we become people who like embrace the imperfection overcome this perfection monster well what can we do to make duckwit duck off <laughs> so i imagine duckwit as oscar the grouch from sesame street and the best bit about him is you can slam the lid on him and go do you know what i'm not listening to you you're not very interesting because if he was your best friend would you want to stay friends with him i certainly wouldn't because he's quite frankly a pain in my backside and he doesn't say very nice things so it's about recognizing when he's out and about and he's talking i can put the lid back on him i don't i don't need to listen to that and it's about there's there's three really good ways of doing it one is mindfulness um and I think, I mean, we could do a whole nother episode about mindfulness, but it's about understanding that anxiety that we experience is about the future. So anxiety is about how is my dog going to be tomorrow? And the low mood and negative self-talk is about what's happened in the past. It's been about my last training session. So I might be sitting with both. I might be going, right, I'm going to take my dog out tomorrow and I'm really anxious because he ran off with the dummy and started parading around. And I don't want that to happen again. So I'm already starting to feel a little bit like a failure. And then I'm going to look back and go, yeah, do you know what, Emma, you were terrible because last time that's exactly what happened. Actually, all we've got is the present. All we've got is this present moment right now. And right now everything is okay. Right now we're sitting here and we're having a podcast and hopefully loads of people on Facebook are listening and resonating with what we're saying. And hopefully whoever is listening to this podcast in the future is out walking a dog or driving somewhere or doing something lovely. You are okay right now. And it's important to bring ourselves back to that present moment. The second bit is self-compassion, is about understanding if I wouldn't judge my friend that way, I shouldn't be judging myself that way. It's not right and it's not healthy for us. And the other bit is speaking to a friend about it, getting another perspective, because our perspective can get quite warped. If we spend enough time doing something, we can convince ourselves that we are utterly useless. If I take my dog out training and he doesn't do what I'm expecting him to do, I can spend ages ruminating over it, thinking about it, catastrophizing it. And I know we're going to do some great events in the future about all of this, which is it, which kind of drills down to it a little bit further. But actually, if I speak to a friend and go, do you know what, this happened and I feel really low about it or I feel like I'm not doing enough or I feel like I'm not achieving enough and make it a trusted friend, make it a trusted friend, not someone who you think is just going to say what you need to hear, but actually what's right for you. And sometimes that friend might say, I think you've been really hard on yourself. Or that friend might say, it's the third time I've heard you say that this week. Actually, do you maybe want to be a little bit kinder to my friend? Because you're saying really nasty things about her. So, you know, have that self-compassion. We cannot be perfect all of the time. And we should not be perfect all the time. And remind yourself that imperfection makes us relatable. That's what binds us together. It's not our perfections. It's not the fact, you know, we're not a group of ladies that meet up every week or go into the dog and duck and we just show videos about how fantastic our dogs are and everyone goes yeah you're brilliant emma joe your dog's fantastic and then we just basically pat each other all on the back actually what makes the lwdg work and dog and duck and all those other great things is because we all come forward and talk about how not perfect we are and how things are not going to plan and we support each other through that that's what binds us together I love like dog duck, ask us anything. I love when people share their problems and we love to help them. I would love for a few more to come on and say I did well. So I think one of the things that 
the women on the whole don't do like even if i look at our, our facebook groups loads of people share the problems everyone helps them non-judgmental way we have far less like little videos of somebody going my dog just walked 10 steps to heal and i have worked the last year on that and i'd love to see more of that because we're not very good at sharing our wins are we no we're quite happy to tell everyone else well done for theirs but we're not very good with our own and a really good example of that going off topic but it will make sense in a moment is when someone compliments us on what we wear and someone goes oh that's a really nice dress we go and go oh this old thing i've had it 12 years and i bought it for 25p from a charity shop i haven't asked you where you bought it from i didn't ask how old it is i just said it's really nice and we really sometimes struggle without just going thank you thank you i really like this dress that's it. We have to almost play it down or disqualify it rather than going, do you know what? Exactly like you said, I got 10 steps forward and my dog was absolutely to heal. And that makes me feel like a million dollars today because I've been working on that for six months. And I just want to celebrate that. I just want to celebrate that because I can guarantee you there will be hundreds of women behind you that want to celebrate that with you. They won't think that you're arrogant. They won't think you're self-centered they will be really proud. And that's what I think is the important, or one of the important things to take away from this, is coping with perfectionism is about be, allowing yourself to not be perfect, but also encouraging yourself and showing to others that you're getting glimpses of great, glimpses of great that you're super proud of, because that actually gives people by sharing those things when i see them shared in the group i think what the person sharing doesn't realize is by sharing it they inspired others it's like oh they've done it they've managed those 10 steps i'm going to do it i can get to 10 you know and seeing the small victories as actually the really important victories because the small victories over and over make the huge victories yeah, so that's the foundation, isn't it? That's the foundation. If we imagine we're building this beautiful house, if I'm building a beautiful house that is representative of my life, I'm not going to be sitting there thinking about what bedding and what, you know, what chandeliers I want in my amazing property. I'm going to be thinking about the foundations. I'm going to be thinking about, you know, really the underpinning of the house. Are the foundations deep enough? Are they solid enough? Are they made of the right quality? And those are those little wins. And those little wins then build up to be that amazing field trial champion, if that's what you want to do. Or it might be, and I see it all the time, and it, it makes me even emotional when I, when, when I read it, when you see someone write in, in the Facebook group or on the forum or whatever else, and they go, I took my dog out into its first sheet and it retrieved something and I could have cried. And I'm sitting there going, oh my God, I could cry with you. Because that's what it's all about. That's what all those hours of pain, suffering, laughter, joy, money listening to things watching master classes and stuff has all led up to that beautiful moment and why do why would we not want to celebrate that with you that's exactly why you're here you're here for us to enjoy the good times with you and the more difficult times and both of those are okay you need to be making me cry now so i'm not gonna do it because i am <laughs> normally podcasts will allow us to be um 
people don't see us we can come on you looking well i've been on you in my pajamas let's be honest about it um and then but we are live in a group so i can't do that right now but um for people who are listening and they're like you've just helped me so much this morning this couple of podcasts i think that you should all go back and watch go back and find in the podcast the age race recognize your dog is not going to get it straight away go through them and find the ones read the podcast titles and find the ones that resonate with you and you think i that's what i need to hear today and log mm-hmm. into it go back to some of the ones with emma i think last week's a couple of weeks before because yeah. bringing in mindset has been like I've got, I've got to be honest, when I thought about doing this, I thought, am I taking the group the right way? We've only been doing it like, what, a month? And we, the feedback yeah. is massive. On Monday morning mindsets, they go into our society members and they literally are like setting them up for the week. And that, along with the practical skills that the group experts bring, it's like the we couldn't ask for more winning formula. You've got every week being told you can do this you can do this we've got you and then you've got the experts going and this is how and this is how and we've got you and by by putting those two things together i think you suddenly realize nothing is insurmountable for people listening on the podcast who are maybe not part of the membership or or might have to go this alone because they 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 don't know if they want to be a member or they men, loads of men listen to us. Hello, men. Um, they can't come in. So sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> what are some of the steps they can take over the next couple of weeks? If they're on their own a little bit with this, if they don't have our tribe, what can they do to, to just keep moving forward? Compassion. Compassion and talking to other people. You know, okay, we've got men listening in. They can't join our beautiful tribe. But there will be other people out there. There will be other people that you can reach out to. And... And for me, I have seen so many people, and I think this is why I'm so passionate about this, because of the, the, the work I do in private practice and because of all the posts that I've seen ever since I've joined the LWDG. Finding your tribe and feeling safe to be able to share your wins and your difficulties is massively key. So there is a project, and again, it will make sense in a moment, there's a project many years ago it's one of the most the longest running research projects um ever happened that's ever happened and it's called the longevity project and it's about what makes people happy and what makes people you know feel rewarded in life and they followed a group of men two groups of men in america one from quite a high income one from quite a low income and they 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 um interviewed them every every few years to work out what made them happy uh, to see whether there was a link between health, whether there was a link between finances, whether there was a link between anything, job status, economic um, background, anything. And they realised, and this, I think, I can't remember exactly how long the study's been running, but it's over 50 years. It's a really, really long study. The only correlation that they could come up with is our connection with each other. It doesn't matter. The rest of it really doesn't matter doesn't matter whether you're married it doesn't matter whether you're single it doesn't matter how much you earn and yes they all do matter to some form of lifestyle but when it comes to happiness and when it comes to that side of it which is really the aim for all of us in life it's about connection it's about connection with each other and that's why talking to people is so so key and sharing those moments with people and i think there are so many 
tribes out there that you can join and most of us are part of different tribes we've got our own family tribe we've got our friendship tribe we might have the lwdg tribe and we need all those tribes to kind of fulfill our needs but for us the biggest focus certainly for me is connection we're going to end this amazing podcast there um I know without doubt it's going to be something that I listen to over and over. It's been absolutely fantastic. You are fantastic as always. As um, we touched upon there for society members, if you go to events, you'll see an event uh, in April uh, with uh, some live coaching from Emma. You will also see some uh, one for May. We've got a four-week one in for society members in May, which is going to be brilliant. The Fearless Female Challenge. It's going to be absolutely fab. I can't wait to do it. Um, it's something we've been working on and it is going to be brill. For those of you who have joined us for the first time, we hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Please subscribe. Please share your likes, your loves, everything. We like to know your feedback. Um, please send it out to other people, gender people, men and women, because our role, I suppose, or our view for the podcast is that we are there to help people inside our society membership daily, but outside in the whole wide world weekly with this um, amazing podcast. Uh, thank you again, Emma, for being amazing. And thank you, everyone, for listening in. Remember, it is important to recognize when perfection monster is taken over, take some steps to overcome it, listen to Emma's advice. and. We are here to encourage and support all women trainers. And I don't mean trainers and the professional trainers. We're there for them, of course. Um, but you are all dog trainers. If you have a dog that you are training, you are a dog trainer. We are here for all of you to help you all with your, your working dogs, your getting dogs, whatever breed they are. We, there is no thing here where you have to have a, a specific dog, a specific type. We are here for everyone. So thank you all for um, joining us. Thank you all for those listening in on the podcast live. We hope you've loved it too. And I hope you've enjoyed this bonus session that we've popped in for you and sort of put myself and Emma into a, a outside of our comfort zone. Shall we do a podcast and live at the same time? And we shall see you all next week. Thank you, Emma. Thank you for listening to LWDG Poddog with me, Joe Parrott. Now we all know training a dog takes time, energy and patience, but our lives can be really, really busy. Don't worry, the LWDG has got you covered. Join us for our free planning workshop where we'll show you how to use short 10-minute training sessions each day to fast forward your dog's education. Our experts have years of experience in training dogs and will help you get started on the right foot. Register now and start making progress with your furry friend today. Go to our Facebook page, The Ladies Working Dog Group, and click on the pinned post. Or visit www.thelwdg.com.